listening to the Ed Reach Network. I was waiting for the clapping there, Jerry. That was I got yeah. it. it's on. Okay, that's good. <laughs> okay, Ed Gamer, episode one forty on Edreach. Taito Online, an MMORPG. I've been practicing that. Learning platform. <laughs> this is Ed Gamer for Wednesday, July thirtieth, twenty fourteen. Ed Gamer's part of the Edreach Network, Edreach.us, giving education a voice. A big voice. That was very nice. Thank you. Nice voice. This show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We will give you the education angle on any type of games, ranging from tabletops to MMOs. And I tried to do that, Jerry, by memorization. Uh, We'll discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I'm Zach. And I'm Jerry. And I'm Lindsay. Lindsay? Yep. Yep, go ahead. Tell us about yourself. Sure, I was running right into it. Uh, my name is Lindsay Trope, and I'm founder and CEO of Immerse Games. We're working on Taito Online. We have a Kickstarter going on right now for an educational MMORPG, and we'll have to define that maybe. I don't know if your whole audience knows what it is. I'm also a doctoral candidate in school psychology at the University of Florida. She's kind of busy, Jerry. I would say. I would say. <laughs> yeah, a few you things on the old we, plate. Yeah, we think we're busy. <laughs> no. No. Jerry? Yes? Who the heck are you? Uh, my name is Jerry James, and I'm a visual arts teacher from Schaumburg, Illinois. And my name is Zach Gilbert, and I'm your host, a sixth grade social studies language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. It's a southern oh. part of the state? Yes. No, you know what? Okay, Lindsay, yeah, we usually do a little, because we haven't talked to each other for a couple weeks, so we, you, you know, you've listened to the show. You know, we kind of bored. Hopefully that's not something that people just constantly skip over. They probably skip over me. They want to listen to Jerry. Okay, so I actually was in the southern part of the state. To when? Like today? Uh, Is there a caboose ago. to that train or what? A couple weeks okay. ago. Uh, I actually trained in East St. Louis. Whoa. And it's, you know, it, it was amazing. It was probably one of the best professional development um you know, activities or whatever groups that I was with that I've ever been a part of. Interesting. And for those of you that don't know East St. Louis, <laughs> um, East St. Louis is is a an area that really blossomed and took off after World War II. I think it had like 80,000 people in the 1950s. And then, of course, uh, some businesses left and then industry left. And now it's down to like 26,000 people. Mm. It is high high poverty um, um, it's just a, it's a very difficult area. Parts of it reminded me of, of Detroit. You know, you have areas that are run down and overgrown. Um, I met a teacher that teaches there that actually, um, takes wild dogs. There's dogs that are roaming throughout the, the city and she takes them and then gets them to the proper authorities. Um, it was right off the highway, Jerry. I mean, within 50 feet, um, you know, you could tell you were somewhere else. Wow. But the amazing thing is, is that they've rebuilt their high school and junior high and some of their, I think they've done some of their elementaries. It is one of the, the most magnificent high schools I've ever visited. <laughs> it was beautiful. 
Beautiful. And it, it, it's something that was just, it was an amazing thing. The teachers there wanted to be there. They wanted to uh, be there to help these students and get out of, you know, uh, to build up their city, uh, but to not continue the cycle of, of that poverty and give them an education. One of the teachers at a local school district was actually a, um, he was an East St. Louis graduate and was teaching in a neighboring district that's actually even, they, I've heard, is even worse off than East St. Louis. So uh, it, was, it was an amazing event. The teachers did a great job, and uh, they, wanted, they wanted us to be there, and we wanted to be there too. It was, it was, it was an amazing event. So, what was the focus? What were you doing? Uh, it was, it's, I've talked about it before, but I, I'm part of the feast, which is a, a one-week professional development and uh, training for technology and helping teachers integrate technology. So we had one teacher, her name was Teresa. She was a uh, computer teacher, but she's also the, um, the student council, uh, rep you know, uh, teacher, what, what do you call that, Jerry? Student council uh, advisor. Oh, okay. You know, she's the one that watches over that. In that one week time, we created a website in Weebly. Uh, she put content on there, and we created a, uh, a Google account for her, Google Apps for Education account for student council. She created videos. We uploaded those videos and we embedded them onto the website. Wow, that's very cool. That that was pretty amazing. So, and there was tons of those stories, you know, throughout the whole week. So, I wanted to share that, and I also got to share, got was able to share some of my games, um, you know, activities and, and other things that are out there, and and that's why we have this Lindsay on today. So we, there's another game that we need to to learn about. So, um, but yeah, it was it was a great time, and I think you uh, you did some some great stuff too, didn't you? Last week. Are you talking to me? Yeah, no, Jerry, the other Jerry. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I I just went on vacation. <laughs> uh, was it was it okay? Good or? It was it was excellent. Hold on, I'll I'll show you a picture from. This is my picture of this is kind of what it looked like. Not gonna lie, actually. There's floating guitars in the water. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was like. Reasonable. Part of the excellence resorts, they float guitars. You know. What did they feed you or give you that you're seeing floating guitars in the water? Uh, that I can't speak of. <laughs> but it was excellent. It was, and you had a great time. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Just a quick jaunt out of uh, out of the country. We had been camping a few days before, so we went from we went from you know sleeping in tents in Upper Wisconsin to <clears throat> an all-inclusive resort down in Mexico. So it was uh, it was fun. It was both ends of the scale, and uh, and it's great. We loved them both. So very cool. Yeah. Okay, well let's get in. I added like three articles here. Some fun ones, and then we'll get into uh, Title Online. But I think these are activities that Lindsay, uh, or these are articles that Lindsay probably is interested in in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Would you say, Lindsay? So yeah. the first one, uh, which is I thought was pretty cool, Firefly's whole cast will reunite for Firefly Online. Okay, that's just awesome. So it's <laughs> so we'll see we'll see how it goes. Some people on here were complaining that. Um, you know, the developer of this game, uh, not known for uh, big games like this, but, uh, you know, there's there's hope, and especially when you can get the cast, uh, which is just wonderful. Do you, do you watch Castle, Lindsay? Yes. Okay, I so love you, all the references that yeah, I've oh, in there. 
love it. And I love when uh, former castmates are on the show mm -hmm. too. So that's always that's always fun. So this this will be this will be interesting. Um, makes me wonder, you know, integration wise, what you can. I mean, heck, if we can get World of Warcraft into classrooms, why couldn't we get Firefly online? That's that's just my thought. So just that was an interesting piece of news. And then this morning I got a. Um, I saw this link. It was through Rolling Stone. Uh, Stephen Colbert introduced the cast of Hobbit, uh, of the Hobbit, the, the Battle of the Five Armies, and he did an excellent job. And of course, I'm a I'm a Tolkien geek. He's an uber <laughs> uber geek. Have you guys have you ever seen him do a, a throwdown with anybody that thinks that they're a you know Tolkien fan? I mean, he knows he knows the Similarian. I think forwards and backwards. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> pretty crazy. So, okay. So there's that one. There's a. It's a great video. It's from Comic Con. Um, and then something that I think Lindsay enjoys because uh, their videos on on their on their site always seem to include uh, them wearing Star Wars T-shirts. Um, but I came across Star Wars in the classroom and didn't know this existed. I think this is something I will definitely look into more. And then what's even crazier is that... <laughs> William Shakespeare's The Jedi Doth Return. That's awesome, isn't it? It's great. Isn't that great? And they got character cards, it looks like. I don't know what that's all about. Cultural Arts Museum. Like oh, it. heading to Chicago. Yes. Jerry? Yeah, that was huge news. We landed, uh, we landed a very oh, significant... Right. Yeah. yeah. The Lucas Cultural Arts Museum. Field trip. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. I don't know about that. Hey, it's a museum, right? I got art classes. Let's there you go. go. There you go. Okay, so, uh, and then uh, found out that one of the, I guess they're called they're called rogues, because of course they're called rogues. Um, you know, the rogues gallery, part of this Star Wars in the classroom, is somebody named Dan Zare, who I found out went to high school uh, with my, my wife. So <laughs> they graduated in the same class, and uh, my wife's always talking about this guy. Yeah, he has a podcast on Star Wars. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. He's a teacher. He, I was like, teacher? He teaches. He uses Star Wars in the classroom. Yeah, so now he, he has this uh, website, Coffee with Kenobi, which I think is a great <laughs> – isn't that a great name? And, uh, yeah, so he's been – he has a blog and blog. interviews people. Blog. Interviews people about using Star Wars in the classroom. So I just wanted to shout out to him. So we might have to get – well, I think we need to get Dan. We yeah. need to get Dan on the show. I agree. So, and then Lindsay, that, I think Lindsay would like to be part of that convo, wouldn't you? Uh, at the very least, I'll be listening to that. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So a few – I don't know how long ago because you, you've uh, – Lindsay, as we get into Taito online, um, am I overemphasizing that? Yeah, it's okay. I mean, we just came up with the name like two months ago, right? It's been the unnamed <laughs> project forever, so who knows? We'll, we'll figure it out. The title that shall not be named, yes, until <laughs> it's named Taito. So you contacted me, was it about a month ago or a few weeks ago? But, yeah, maybe three weeks ago. Okay, and so what were you, you, you contact me and say, hey, I got this Kickstarter, and just to let you know, 
I, I, I get a few emails <laughs> for Kickstarters because That's people are fair. like, hey, let's come on the show and, and, and do this. And, and so um, I would say there's a very small amount of those emails that I actually, you know, say, hey, this looks really good and we need to get you on the show. And so this one impressed me. And uh, so you explained who you are, but what kind of explain that again and how you got into this, creating this company, because this is your company, right, Immerse Games? Yes. Okay, so how did that all come about? It's been a long time coming. Uh, it was first, um, as an undergrad student, I was in psychology, and I wasn't into education yet, but I played a lot of World of Warcraft, <laughs> of course, and uh, Star Wars Galaxies before that. That was my first MMO, so um, with that. And uh, so one day, just playing a lot of World of Warcraft, I think I actually just leaned over to my husband and was like, hey, where do I get such and such item? And he just started spewing off all his information, you know. We, we kind of had a laugh, and I'm like, do you realize how much insane amount of content both of us have learned from just playing this game, you know? Like, there's no real effort. It's just the process of playing and wanting to get better and needing to do things. We've just picked up thousands of items and strategies and all this lore, and uh, it's just really an amazing learning tool. And so that was probably seven years ago now that that kind of thought. Of course, I wasn't really familiar with education and people like you that have been working on this for a long time, but just realizing that that style of game and the genre of MMORPGs was really such a great learning tool was the first step. That was the first ago. step. Yeah, so how, right. how many years? How many years ago, you think? That was probably seven years ago, oh my. and uh, okay. I went. I then added education on to my uh, degree, actually in undergrad, and did student teaching, and uh, kind of got some more experiences, and then went into grad school for a PhD in school psychology. I really wanted to be more involved in education, and so when I entered grad school, I actually told them that I was thinking about researching educational games, and that was just an area of interest of mine. Uh, but as I kind of continued realizing, in my mind, we can talk about this how perfect that type of video game is for learning and how uh, useful that is and then seeing the educational games that are out there and, and being a gamer myself, you know, I have a certain vision of what it could really be and what type of educational game could be built. I had gotten some small business experience running a photography business for years and I don't think otherwise it ever would have occurred to me that I could just do it myself. But after a while I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this, and we're going to make a company and, and build this on our own. But, you know, it, it took so, a while to recruit people and figure out how to make a game. <laughs> so you were, yeah. So y your first inclination was not to, um, it wasn't to be an educational gaming company, right? No, I mean, I just, I wanted to research educational games. I thought they were great, um, but I just... You know, I had this vision in my mind for how there could be this incredible educational MMO and how great that could be used for learning, and, and nobody was doing that, you know. Yeah. Um, and so after a while, you're just like, I want this to come to be, so I'm just going to do it myself. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's been a little So while. is this the first project, Taito Online, is this the first educational game project that you've done? Yep. Okay, so let's let's explain. <laughs> what is Title Online, and what's I guess what's the goal of of the game? What are you trying to do? Sure. So I decided I really wanted to make like a World of Warcraft style game for education because they're so great for learning. You've got all these quests that are problem solving. There's the context because of the storyline, and this is such a great model. And one of the things I get really excited about is this idea that if you learned 
through that process of playing a game in a, you know, a massive world like a MMORPG generally has, there's also a lot of opportunities. And while there's a lot of amazing educational games out there, I don't think your average student is going to go seek out you know, to learn about something really advanced, you know, some part of physics or something like that, and go find a game on their own to do that. So this idea that if they're in this big virtual world exploring, that they can stumble across a lot of things. And you know how it is when you play that type of game. You want to accept a lot of quests to build up your character and level up and everything. So they're actually going to get exposed to a lot more content than they will with kind of the current way where there's a bunch of individual separate games. Just pulling all of this into one game world uh, has a lot of more power. So, you know, one, one question that keeps on coming up over and over and over again and in this realm, um, you know, and really I think it goes well with it like an MMO, is if is your plan when a kid sees this, are they seeing anything that says education on it? Or is it like, here's title online, let's try it out? Yeah, I'm going to do two brands, basically. Immerse Games and our, my company being the education, kind of going towards parents, and then title online having an independent website. That'll be fun. Um, a lot of people say, like, the kids aren't even going to realize they're learning and you can mask it. And I'm like, well, learning is fun if you do it right. I mean, because right. playing any video game is learning. I, I don't find the need to pretend they're not learning. I, I find the need to, to tell them, you're going to be playing a game, doing all these quests. It's going to be really fun. It just happens that it's using content that matters to the real world. Right. So instead of learning, wow, Laura, you're learning something that can really be beneficial. And yeah. so that's how I view it, that you don't have to radically change it. You don't have to try to squish these two things together. You're doing awesome gameplay and great game mechanics. You're just doing it with content that generalizes and you're educators, so you know that term. So yeah. <laughs> that doesn't always work to say that. Yeah. No, there's there's several games out there that um, uh, Kerbal uh, Space Program, I don't know yeah. if you've played that, and then uh, Ludwig um, is a, a science-based game. The robot. And, yeah, the robot. Yeah, yeah which is really cool. Uh, but it's it integrates science well, mm -hmm. and you don't know you have to solve these puzzles in order to get to the next next step. And I think if you can mask it that way, it, it's fine. But I always I always think of my youngest daughter when you know we have V8 fusions in the house. You know the cans. You know, so we're getting vegetables and and fruit. And as soon as I told my youngest daughter that it had vegetables in it. She stopped drinking them. <laughs> it's just so it's like you know sometimes when you tell the kids, oh, this is an educational thing, then you know they get turned off, and that's right. that's one thing. Like Minecraft is another that it's um, they're learning in Minecraft whether they know it or not, and it kind of masks it well. So if you can if you can integrate some of that in there and have it flow well. Right. then I think you've got something. So what's give me an example of what a player that jumps into this game, what's a quest that they would go on? Sure. So the storyline, just to give you a little bit of context for that, is set in the future where people have had to leave Earth because while we tried and had a lot of great scientific advancements, we weren't able to maintain and stay there, and it's pretty much uninhabitable now. So the student is part of Taito Foundation and Taito Academy. They were recruited to go. You know, everyone is, of course, above average and the best and the brightest in a MMO, right? You're the main character. And so they were recruited to come help all the scientists and participate over in this kind of new colony in a research base and helping that learn and assist them so that maybe one day we'll be able to save Earth. Which, you know, if I get tons of funding, that would be a great expansion one day. But, you know, 
big, big future dreams <laughs> that would cost millions of dollars. So, um, so the student then is going around and doing quests and helping out the scientists, but also has their own room and you know dorm type thing. And there's a, a life and social activities to do because this is your new planet and home. So that's kind of how we've justified having fun things and not just oh my gosh I have to save Earth all the time um, as well. <laughs> that, that was I think a, it's a little stressful. Yeah, it was great, but I never thought of things like that. My writer's like, well, in order for there to, like, actually be fun things in, like, arcades, like, we really had to have set this up before Earth had to be evacuated, because otherwise, why would you be doing all this frivolous activities when, like, I'm like, okay, this is yeah. a good point, so it's great. So there's a quest that we have a video up um, right now on that I'll kind of talk through, which, so people can also go look at it if they want, which is an invasive species quest. And so the idea for the student is they get a they get the assignment from an NPC, you know, the non-playing character, and Mr. Chips, who's all over our page, kind of a mascot, our little alien creature, had grabbed some seeds that he thought were going to be tasty and didn't like them and tossed them in the wrong biodome, which is where we have these different ecosystems, which, you know, is basically how invasive species are always created anyway. And so they ask, they tell the character they're trying to figure, the player that they're trying to figure out what happened to these and uh, figure out if it's hurting the ecosystem and so what they do is they go around and you know instead of collecting 20 boars and killing them they're going around and finding these plants and it's generating a population map for them of the population for these plants and so then because we're sci-fi we get to do a hollow feed and tell them okay now do that for five days ago and ten days ago when, you know, we're kind of making it super fast so that it's more yeah. pertinent. That's another benefit of sci-fi is being able to be like, oh, yes, <laughs> this happens not over five, ten years. This is happening nice and quick in our nice alien environment. And so they go around, they're able to go then generate that, kind of click through the phases and see what it was like ten days ago, five days ago today. And then they draw a conclusion and they tell the board of science that they think it's invasive you know, if they figured it out correctly. And then they go and the board says, okay, we're going to go pull the plants and save the ecosystem. Good job. You know, so that's like one that we have a gameplay video up for. Okay. that's That sounds good. So what are, I, I guess, what are the different content areas that you're trying to to hit in, in the game that would be used in a classroom? No. Um, right now we're starting with science and we're linking it with middle school science standards. And so, I mean, yes, long term I want to have third through twelfth grade, lots of different content areas, but obviously I'm an indie studio, you know, so yeah. we're taking a, an iterative approach. We're right now building the base features that you need, the level system, customizable character, customizable room, the networking quest system and things like that, and then making this first module of middle school ecology, which is going to have these biodomes that students go and explore. They complete quests like that. They also actually go explore and populate a biodex, which is on the page there. There's a little graphic of it where when they find things, it populates it into kind of a little database of information, and then they can also create their own biodome and try to apply these concepts. So that's like our first module is this middle school ecology, and that's going to be our first release that goes out to the world. It might just be an open beta forever while we add more content, you know, but um, so that's what we're working on right now, and that's going to be it, and then we're just going to keep doing mini expansions, so instead of every two years putting out a big expansion, uh, depending on how big our staff is every few months, however long it takes us, we'll put out an additional module and keep expanding. So okay. we want to probably stay in the same area and work on science first, so expand out to high school ecology and earth sciences and things like that as well, linking up with standards that teachers can actually use. And then that way also for us to maybe sell the school districts, we're going to need to be able to be like, here's your whole middle school science curriculum. You know, you, yeah. you need a good chunk for them. I can't just go do a bunch of things for different areas or I'll never right. sell to a school. And so then keep adding after that. Now are these, it's, you're using NextGen, the NGSS? 
I am for now because that seems like good timing for us given that states are yeah. just starting to implement and so when teachers are having to overhaul their entire curriculum they're probably going to be looking for new resources and so yeah. we can be available that but I recognize that yeah, if it, and at least it'll be more than one state standards that I'm linking to immediately. I think we're up to like 10 or maybe up to 12 by now that have signed on. Yeah, and it's, um, it's catching on, even if it's okay. not, you know, with, because I think science and math are, are, are math and language arts, sorry, are more <clears throat> linked with Common Core, and yes, NGSS is Common but science Don't teachers are different. Way. Yeah, <laughs> sh it's like the, the there's no vegetables, it's all fruit, it's all fruit. Yeah. Um, that's, and it's, they're tough, they're difficult, but yeah, it's, it's a learning curve, but I think that's, that was probably a good choice, because even right. if they don't use NGSS, they're still going to be able to make connections with what they do. Right, and I'll, if people don't start adopting it, I'll have someone, hopefully not me, go and make an <laughs> insane spreadsheet of all 50 states and where the overlap is and everything, but, and yeah, as I told people when they've asked about that, most of the states are teaching the same things. It might be a year off or, you yeah. know, a slightly different approach. So it's just kind of more of a time-consuming thing to go and make this huge database of all 50 state standards instead of being able to link it to one. So we're starting right now with where we can hopefully hit 10, 15, 20 states at once, and then we can add in more as we need, you know, and have time <laughs> to, to keep so, developing that. So how big is this, this world that the, that the kids are exploring? Sure. I mean, eventually, you know, giant, but what we're building right now is our starting city. My creative director really loved making this utopian city, and he <laughs> had to confess to me that his full plans, it was like 12 times the size of Stormwind, and I had a big laugh and was okay. like, that's not going to be what it's going to be like at launch. So we're basically doing like a third or a fourth of that city over on this side that's closer to the content that we need. So kind of the starting park area and things like that that we'll be building. And then um, how it's set up actually is that there's a, a big cliff and then on the other side of that we have all the biodomes in this cool valley. And so that's what we're building first is this section of it that has that side of the city and all the biodomes that are on the other side in this big valley that they go explore to do their ecosystems. And then we keep adding it. It's great for our storyline since we're colonizing a new planet that I've told my programmer we're playing with the idea of just like, here, let's just procedurally generate the rest of the world as a rainforest that's not colonized yet. And then every time hey. we add, they can go walk in five, you know, for five hours in a direction if they want. Um, and then as we add content, we'll be, you know, building more. So that's one reason we had it this semi-inhabited world is so it works with us continually adding and changing yeah. our world as we develop. Yeah, yeah because it, it kind of goes in line with the story. It's right. not all exactly. going to be developed at one time. At least your science fiction doesn't do that. <laughs> right. So I don't have the money to do that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the other thing is too is that with it being an MMO, how many players can you have on at one time? Are you having multiple servers? I mean, what's how's that set up? Yeah, I, he's still working on the server architecture. We've talked about part of the difficulty for it as education over time and making this scalable. Of course, is as you get older and you have different areas, and we didn't want to have like a cutoff between middle school and elementary. So we really like the idea of doing phasing instead, but I mean, right now we're just, I mean, we're small right now. We can rework the whole thing once we have more money and investment and can do it that way. So for now, yeah, we're building a server that we'll be able to have, really our user base is going to be so small that for the next year everyone's probably just going to be on one server. Yeah. Um, 
uh, as well. But then as we develop, we'd like it to be phases so that you can get automatically intelligently grouped with the right people. And the, the whole server thing isn't really as common nowadays with the modern MMOs. You know, it's not needed as much to do right. that since you can just fluently pull people in and out. And then we can also keep certain age groups a little bit more independent intelligently that way as well. And maybe even have classes or schools, you know, together or maybe even not. Having, I think, interacting with others from different areas, I think, is a, is probably a good thing. And then you have the, what's that? I was just saying, it is a strength of MMOs in my mind, and a lot of yeah. people ask about things like that, and it's like you want people to be able to go and the students to engage with people that aren't from their state or country, and, and that's part of the, the joy of playing a game like this is learning from a lot of variety of types of people as well, but certainly everyone that's in a classroom would be in the same phase that so they can communicate uh, easily, but then also meeting other people is a great way to learn. Yeah, so the, the other part is the RPG. So yes. you know you have the MMO. You're interacting with many different people. So I'm I'm assuming that these students are leveling up and changing their character over time. So yes. what what are some of the basic I guess upgrades or, or um, levels that the students can get? Sure. Well, because it's not a fighting based game, it's not, people sometimes are asking about stats. I'm like, well, there's no point in having health points or anything, you know, for a character <laughs> like that. So well, dangerous um, plants, you know. Yeah. So instead of having a global level where you're level one, two, or three, that also didn't make much sense as we expand because we plan on having multiple subjects and a student might end up being at, you know, 10th grade level in science and 5th grade level in reading or something like that. And so we're positioning it more as a learning by doing. So if you're familiar with Skyrim or if you did old school Star Wars Galaxies uh, where you leveled by doing stuff in certain areas. So by, in Galaxies, I was a doctor, I was played, you know, by using your doctor skills, you leveled in doctor. And by using your swordman skills, you leveled in swordman. Right. So the same idea here, by completing quests in life science, you'll be leveling up life science specifically. And so us subdividing that into separate sections. So here is the ecology unit that you're leveling through in life science. When you get to the end of that, you get some rewards. So uh, we're playing with the type. I'd really like it to be strongly associated with crafting, but that's one of our stretch goals that you know we're probably not going to reach to make a whole crafting system and all that. I mean, that would that's going to be a, a bit. So for now, it's going to have to be pretty smaller rewards. They'll be getting money to go decorate their rooms and things like that. But my long term would really be that I want it linked in an intelligent way to being able to do things in the game, of course, even though they don't have health points and everything. So if you learn about rocket science, getting a schematic to make your own jetpack, things like that would really be what I want, you know, once I've gotten far enough and we've had time to build out a whole crafting system, because that's uh, a lot <laughs> in itself yeah. as well. Um, well, leveling up to is. get some type of vehicle or, or some way to get right. from point A to point B, you right. know, which you see in some of the, you know, the major MMOs. Um, the other thing, too, and just to, this is my... I don't know if it's a helpful hint or not, but sure. badging and having, yes. you know, I know gamification's a, a bad word with a lot of people that I know. I think it can be used effectively, uh, but badging as it uh, as it correlates to the NGSS. So if they've completed a task in a certain area, they've received a badge. So a teacher can see maybe some type of portfolio that, right. okay, my student has completed these tasks which correlate with these skills. And I'm waiting to see the adoption of the open badges in Mozilla, but I thought it'd be great if it could link up with like Mozilla open badges so it could be easily exported out of the game too to show yes. off and everything like that. So yeah, I, I am one of those people that gamification by itself kind of irks me because you know people think of that as game-based learning, which is so yeah, different. But no. when you use it with game-based learning, I mean having achievements and badges and things yeah. like that, 
and are definitely good. Right now my programmers are influencing and getting the biodex set up in the grassland for a build we're trying to do some more video of to show everyone and so I think I, I was telling I had them do an achievement once you find everything in there like hey you're the grassland explorer I mean it's fun when you, especially surprises like that that just pop up on you as, as you play the game I definitely yeah. add a layer of reward that's really important as well yeah. so um, oh what was I going to say so that seems to cover it there but you, your kickstarter uh, has 11 days to go Yes. And Jerry, you know, we, we have a good track record. We do. <laughs> good. We do, yeah. yeah. We're kind of a big deal might, when it comes you're, to you're at You're at 30, you, you want 50,000. You're yes. at 38,351. We might be able to get ago? you, we might be able to get you to 38,380, maybe. That's impressive. Maybe, That's impressive. Uh, you know. And then Zach has promised to cover the rest. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Great. Yeah. Loaded, yeah. Just you know, you'd like to go to one of those. From education, I mean, working in the public school systems, I hear really, really pays off. I will never complain about my pay. I, I, I'll tell you that. I'll never complain. I, you know, I I do do okay. So, but yeah, it's not enough to cover the rest. Not enough to cover the rest. So, is there anything else that you want to share about uh, the game? How they can contact you? I mean, I'm I'm looking at some of these things here. Uh, you know, pledging a dollar, pledging ten dollars. You know, is there are there things that you are? Uh, yeah, I guess are there things you're wanting to share about the Kickstarter at all? Yeah, I can talk for five hours straight, but um, <laughs> questions might be better that are pointed. Uh, but yeah, so we have the Kickstarter. We're at 76 percent right now, uh, with 11 days to go, as you mentioned. So uh, we're really pushing. You know, my my own circle and network's pretty much tapped out at this point. You know, all, all the friends of friends from everyone we know. So it's right. really me right now, trying to get out to strangers on the internet and. Um, help that kind of exposure level too so to get to that last bit and we just got on IGDA's featured curated page and everything so we're excited about that to maybe help us a little bit um, so yeah we have a lot of reward tiers anything helps if people are interested in this um, seriously even though I think a lot of people don't want to do a dollar because it's only a dollar but at the same time a lot of people doing that helps and it moves you up the popularity list on Kickstarter most of the traffic we've gotten so far has been generated by us you know sending people there and getting yeah. out and talking and doing articles so if we got up the list on Kickstarter then people would actually just start yeah. on us on Kickstarter which hasn't really been happening much yet so I am yeah. I, I am impressed I'm just looking through here you have all the way up to ten thousand ten thousand dollars or more and you have one backer that's, yeah. I mean, I know for doing a $50,000 kick, you got one person with 10000 I mean, that's pretty cool. And you that got helps. a couple of thousand dollar backers. So is, is that one of those like, thanks, mom? Or, you know, is, you know, or is it a uh, investor? Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, uh, that, that, was a, that was a family member, not mom, but that was a family member who was really Very excited cool. about it. And um, the 5000 was a total surprise, too. Someone who said uh, her granddaughter plays a lot of World of Warcraft, and so she really wanted to you know, do this for her as well so she could play it and everything. Yeah. So, um, That's and, cool. and it's frequently bringing up meeting dragons in the game. So uh, we were talking about that Easter egg possibly being an actual dragon Easter egg. <laughs> so. Very cool. Um, Very cool. Well, this has, you know, I can tell you this. This has a lot of potential. I think even at what you're doing now, just getting what you have planned out there is going to be right. beneficial. But your bigger plans, uh, I, I think something like this is it has a it definitely has a space within education. Right. So um, it's hopefully, like 
excited. Yeah. It's long term and, and possibly, you know, pulling a lot of grants in to help. Maybe if a bank would sponsor a personal finance module, if we can get a government grant to do entrepreneurship, the idea that this becomes a platform for learning that students will be able to go access a lot more that they weren't going to have sought out on their own. Um, that's really my primary thing. And so, you know, we're starting small and feasible right now with our first module and hopefully using the Kickstarter success to help us acquire more funding so I can build faster. You know, as I was saying before we yeah. went on, that it, these things take a while and I'm so impatient because I just feel like this is the perfect time for something like this to get out there and exist in the world with all of the MOOC access and things like that. But yeah. that's not necessarily great for K-12 students with the level of engagement just, you know, watching videos and answering questions. Like, if they could play through it, it seems like the right time to be doing this. Yeah. Uh, oh, shoot. <laughs> I had Jerry. There, oh, what program? What are you using to write this? Sure, it's Unity, and then C Sharp and <laughs> Unity. Uh, yeah, which is really fun with all of the networking and everything. And Unity recently announced UNet, so we're like trying to bother them about that while using some third-party things and consulting with someone who has a lot of experience and has um, on the server architecture. My my poor programmer is. Uh, having so much fun right now. <laughs> I was going to ask, because we do some extremely basic Unity stuff with our right. with our uh, visual arts classes, um, our game design classes. That's very and, cool. Yeah, and then, I mean, the kids love it, but uh, this the, the artwork in, in the little screenshots in here is beautiful. I really like it. I like the logos, and I like, I think it's got a, it, it have, you know, it would definitely draw kids in, so... Thanks. Yeah, it, it's a nice balance. You have to be really low poly, you know, all the polygon levels. Mm -hmm. like, what our mantra is, to be in the school system, this has to run on 68-year-old Dells. So try to make it look good while also having as few polygons as possible in there. But lighting-wise, for your students, you should it's it's a paid plugin, but maybe you can get a discount or something. Marmoset Sky Shop, if you're not familiar. Oh, um, cool. Makes them really beautiful. It applies your your sky box and all of the beautiful sky, which we had an amazing person um, do that sky for us. It's been all volunteer help and everything that that did our sky, which you can't see in a lot of it. I don't even know if I, I'm, I'm going to have to like post a separate update just on our normal city sky box, because you're in the biodome, most of the art I put up there, but we've got two moons and this beautiful orange sky, and it applies all of that lighting um, naturally that out. how it would look to all That's the objects in your scene. It's really cool. Very cool. You artists, you... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just regurgitating what my artists tell me, you know. <laughs> Well, I think that's uh, what we got time for. So, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, keep in touch on how you know if it goes up, you know, twenty-five, thirty dollars, you know, from us. I'll email uh, you every backer I get. Oh, there you go. There you go. So, thank you, thank you for listening to this week's Ed Gamer podcast. Please follow us on EdReach.us, and also follow all the great podcasts and blog posts on the EdReach right. Network. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.